Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me tonight will be Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger, uh, but we're going to be doing a little bit different thing here tonight for you folks. We had some scheduling conflicts, so instead of just doing the pod together, we're actually just going to record our own segments individually and present it to you that way. So I guess, unlike the Tigers, we're going to throw a wrinkle at you this week. Uh, hope you like it uh, for the bye week, uh, since the Tigers will be off next weekend. But we're going to pretty much just be talking about the Ole Miss game uh, this week and what our thoughts are about that. And uh, I think we're going to have Tommy up first. So with uh, having said that, take it away, Tommy. All right, so here we are on the Talking Takes podcast. This is for the Ole Miss game of the 2022 season. I'm Tommy Johnson. We're trying a little bit of a different format this time, as you've probably already heard, or maybe I'm your first one. But either way, we're uh, we're gonna we're kind of doing splitting up into three parts. So, kind of just going to give you my thoughts on the game so far. Uh, I mean, overall, LSU loses 31-17 to Ole Miss at Ole Miss on Eli Manning Day. Um, you know, I, I thought that the first half LSU looked, looked decent. Um, they played, they, you know, they, they were kind of trading blows with Ole Miss a little bit. Um, you had some, some flashes from, uh, Ty Davis price kind of running well again, kind of running pretty well again. Um, but really it kind of, you really got to see who the best player on the field was as the game went on with an injured Matt Corral leading the Ole Miss Rebels to a big win. Now he only had 185 yards, um, but you could just tell he was between him and uh, Jared Connor for uh, the running back. Uh, this Ole Miss offense was as potent as you kind of expected. Now I think that, uh, I think that LSU it's almost like a tale of two halves. The, the first half, it seemed like LSU was, was a lot more in the game, uh, prepared, playing to win. But towards the second half, L- Ole Miss really started to run away with it. And at that point, you saw uh, Garrett Nussmeyer come in, and, uh, and, and really the game was over. So I really think that... Uh, this I don't I don't I don't think there's much to take away from this game because it really it, it almost felt like it was you know predestined um you know LSU d- does lead the first quarter seven to nothing um but then they don't score again until the fourth quarter and that's pretty much in garbage time so y- you know you, you kind of almost controlled this game from the second quarter on and uh it was it it was embarrassing but but also i think for anyone watching this team what else do you expect uh you can you, i i really was not surprised i wasn't really mad i don't think this was a a terrible loss in the same way that the auburn loss was um i think that i think that you see coach o um really coaching and 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 kind of just phoning it in for lack of a better term. And who can really blame him at this point uh, after being basically let go and then said, Hey, just land the plane. But once you get off, you're fired. Um, 
So all that being said, I, th- I mean, I think the main, the most important thing maybe for LSU fans to glean from this game was uh, maybe just getting a, a bigger glimpse at Garrett Nussmeyer uh, in, in big time SEC play on the road. I think it's a good experience for me through for, through for 103 yards on uh, 12 attempts had about a, a little over 50% completion percentage uh, and he threw a TD. Uh, it was a very impressive ball too. I think that getting him good experience I, I, that I, I like seeing that. I don't, I've seen a lot of people uh, after this game talking about a little controversy of whether it needs to be Max or uh, Max or Garrett. I don't think we're at that point. I think that, I think that it was, I think that the coaches said, you know what, this game's pretty much over. Let's just put Garrett Nussmeyer in and give him some experience because either way, uh, our line can't block to save their lives. So whoever's behind, whoever's behind the center is going to be getting eaten alive. And you saw Max Johnson uh, have a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of trouble in the pocket. And the same thing was said for Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, I mean, I think uh, there was a, I don't, I don't think our defense played great, but um, I, I, I think it could have been worse. Uh, 31 points. That's, I think it's about middle of the road for what you would have hoped um, or what you, what you might've thought Ole Miss would put up on LSU. Uh, the interesting thing I thought on the defensive side of the ball was how many different faces you saw. Um, you saw Sony Fino, uh, Fino, uh, the linebacker. Uh, he played a lot. Uh, Jarrell Cherry played Greg Penn. Who's a guy who was, uh, recruited heavily, um, in high school. You heard a lot about him. You heard he was going to be the next great line linebacker. And that way he was like two recruiting classes ago. And, and I don't think we've seen him play until this game. So all, I mean, all together, it really seemed like, uh, of course, and then of course Sage Ryan got a lot of play, and Radarius Jones uh, out of the the cornerback out of Horn Lake, he played too. So, oh, and, and Mike Jones, the uh, the transfer from Clemson, and and Mike Jones was actually lining. It looked like to me was lining up at inside linebacker, which is a position that he had he transferred to uh, to LSU from Clemson to play at, and then throughout camp was basically told. Hey, like, thanks for coming and trying to, to be here, tr- trying to be a, uh, inside linebacker, but you're just not going to, you're not going to cut it. Uh, you're too small. You're too, you're not strong enough. We're going to have to put you in the slot and make you an outside linebacker. I, I ended up, I, I, if I'm, I'm, it might've just been the play where I, you know, where his positioning was on a certain play, but on the few times that I saw him on the field, I saw him, I, I thought I saw him playing at, uh, inside linebacker. So what all of this tells me, and I think you can see, you can see this if you pay attention and you kind of know this team and know the way that this season started and now where we're at, it really seems like the coaches on both sides of the ball are just, uh, they're kind of just saying free for all, let them play. You know what? Hey, Mike Jones, you, you want to play inside linebacker? Go try it. You know, uh, Sony F- uh, Fano, get in there. Whereas if we were really in contention, you know, it's, it's, I don't think there is a, a, an 11 starters on this team on either side of the ball. I think it's, we got a bunch of players and we're going to cycle them in and get them reps and get them experience because when it's all said and done, this season's pretty much over. Uh, so, 
mean, overall, it was a it was a disappointing loss, but it all I, I think it was expected. Um, I don't know if any of us picked LSU to win this game. Um, I thought we kept it reasonably competitive, and looking forward now, you know, we're on to the traditional bye uh, before uh, the Alabama game, which I mean, I think it'll be a bloodbath, but. Um, I mean, Alabama's having some trouble. They had trouble with a, with a not great Tennessee team. Obviously they lost to A&M. Um, so I think, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say LSU is going to, going to, and we'll get into this next week, but, um, you know, they've got, they've got that extra week to prepare. Let's hope they can, let's hope they can do it. And then as far as the, the, you know, maybe the most, maybe the most interesting thing about the Ole Miss game is the possibility of Lane Kiffin almost interviewing for the job uh, in, in auditioning against LSU. Uh, I don't, again, I don't really have a good great gauge on that. I don't think that, um, he, you know, his, his name is kind of, he's kind of faded out right now as far as the, the top name right now. You, you hear Mel Tucker, you hear James Franklin. You hear a little bit of Dabo Sweeney, which is maybe the outside long shot, but you're hearing a lot of people talk about him. Lane is kind of has fallen off a little bit, but overall it was it's, it was impressive. He he was able to, he made a lot of good adjustments uh, in, in the, after the first quarter. He um, was able to dial up uh, his offense to where you know they, that that running attack they ran all over us. They shoved it down our throats. Uh, they, sh- they, they, you know, pushed around, uh, some five-star defense alignment. Um, that's not when, that's not what you expect from Ole Miss. You've always, you always expect, uh, or maybe not always, but under a lane, co- a lane Kiffin coach team, you expect, you expect them to be able to throw the ball deep and, and, and toss it around and kind of tricky a little bit. But the, what really gave us trouble was their, was their running attack and the running attack set up a lot of um, a lot of the success they had in the air. You know, you look at their running attack, they had two guys that almost rushed for a hundred yards. Jared Connor had 117 and, and uh, Jerry and Ely had 97. Um, Henry Parrish had a lot of good runs as well. So, and then on the, on the, uh, in the air, they had uh, Don Terrio Drummond. He had 93 yards. So, it was an overall a very efficient and effective offense, uh, a Lane Kiffin, a vintage Lane Kiffin offense that LSU really couldn't stop. But I also think the damage wasn't as bad as it could have been. But like I said, moving forward, we got Alabama coming up in two weeks, got the off week this week. Um, still on that coaching search. We'll be, we'll, we'll keep that, keep you posted on that. Um, but Overall, I, I just got to say it was a little bit of a – I'm not even really disappointed. I, it was expected for me. I, I think that LSU played about as, about as well as we would have expected them to, which was a.k.a. not very good because let's just be honest, this team's not very good. We're not very good on – we're definitely we're, – we're, we're atrocious on offensive line. We have a lot of stars on, at wide receiver. We have uh, hot and cold running backs. We have hot and cold quarterbacks. Um, and then – we have a skeleton crew of a defense. So going up against one of the best offenses in the country, um, you're going to run into trouble there. 
So that's kind of that was kind of where my thought is. I'll be interested to see what um, what Scott and Dana have to say. But again, we're trying out this a little bit of a different format this week. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, you know, just scheduling differences kind of kind of forced us into the, into this. But if it's something that we like and it's something that almost that adds a little bit of different context, maybe maybe I, you know maybe I say something that Daniel and Scott don't say, or maybe that maybe we all say the same thing, or you never know. It might be something kind of interesting to, to move forward in, in the future. So let us know and, uh, you know, get, give us a review, give us a, a five-star review on uh, Apple iTunes or on uh, Spotify. Uh, of course, share with your friends and uh, let us know what you think about the, the, the different format, but that's uh that's my take on it. Uh, Scott, Daniel, what do you think? Well, I could agree with uh, a lot of what you said, Tommy. Uh, I mean, it's, it was, uh, it was hard to watch, but I mean, it definitely wasn't completely surprising. Um, I would say, though, that when you said about Coach O, how he, uh, he's kind of phoning it in, I mean, it's definitely felt like that in other games this year and definitely in, like, the, uh, the second half of this game. But you could tell from that first drive or, or two, actually, uh, it felt like he, you know, he, he kind of wanted to, to make a statement. You know, I think he wants to go out guns blazing. I think I said last week he's kind of playing with house money at this point, and he definitely showed it to begin with, but the thing with playing with house money is it should just allow you to, you know, take certain risks that you wouldn't normally because you're afraid to lose. And he's not afraid to lose, it looks like, but he's just not making good decisions. You know, they could have gone up 10 to nothing uh, instead of him trying to force it in on a, uh, you know, first and goal to go up 14 instead. And I think that's where he should have just played it smart. And, you know, kind of like with the Florida game, I, I, I think Ole Miss came into it thinking, oh, we got these guys. LSU's down this year. You know, they're depleted. Um, but instead of taking control of the game, you know, LSU would have gone up two scores, and all of a sudden Ole Miss is looking at them like, are we really down two scores to these guys? I mean, what's going on here? And then, you know, that I think that might have changed the game, at least, you know, going into halftime, because uh, especially on the road, momentum can be uh, your, your 12th man. Uh, I mean, I have some other ideas, but uh, I kind of like to hear what Daniel has to say. So uh, let's uh, let's see what Daniel's got. Hello, Talking Tigs Nation. This is Daniel coming to you by myself. We've got a little weird recording format today due to some scheduling conflicts. So Scott, Tommy, and myself are all separate. Uh, I'm not even sure where you'll be hearing me in the in the order stacks. Could be first, middle, or last. But we're coming to bring you the recap of the LSU versus Ole Miss football game that happened yesterday. LSU suffering a tough loss to the Rebels. Uh, I may retread a couple of the points that my other co-hosts have already discussed, but just wanted to go over a quick few key takeaways and what happened for the Tigers and, and where do they go from here. So LSU was coming into the game off some pretty good momentum versus Florida, a big game at home with, that we won, and then traveling into Oxford. We knew this was going to be a tough test with Matt Corral and the, the high-powered Rebel offense versus our defense that had been uh, pretty porous, to say the least, so far this season. But we had the momentum with Ty Davis-Price setting the, the rushing record for LSU against Florida, and it, it all just couldn't come together against Ole Miss. We played good football for about a quarter and a half. Unfortunately, you got to play all four quarters as Ole Miss rattled off 31 straight to just completely take control of the game. 
LSU did score a few points uh, in the fourth quarter to, to make the score look more respectable, but the final of 31-17 for Ole Miss was not, not even really indicative of how the game ran out. After LSU scored their first touchdown, it was really all downhill from there. I was uh, pleasantly surprised at the beginning as Max Johnson completed a, a great pass to Jerry Jenkins like while he was taking a sack for like 40 yards. And then we ended up plugging that one in to take the early 7-0 lead, which was great to see. But then after that, uh, Ole Miss started to kind of get the gears turning. And then the real kind of key turning point for me in the game was the kind of two fourth downs in a row uh, near the goal line for LSU. The first one, we got Ole Miss to jump off sides and we got first and goal uh, with like six yards to go. And then they, they stopped us three straight times and, and Coach O elected to go for it on fourth and goal from the three instead of taking the three points and making it a two possession game. That was something that I kind of really disagreed with. I had said it in the moment to the people I was watching with that LSU just needed to take the points uh, and walk away there. But instead, we, we forced it, and then Max Johnson threw an interception on the one. After that, all the energy was gone, and LSU's offense just completely petered out as uh, Ole Miss came to life. The LSU's defense, there was a lot of kind of what you've seen before, missed assignments, blown coverages, uh, Matt Corral scrambling and running with his legs. But I think the big thing was just kind of containment uh, of the run game. Ole Miss asserted their will. They ran up, uh, pulling up the, the box score here, 266 yards on the ground. They were running at will uh, through the, the fleet of uh, Snoop Connor, Jerry and Ely, and then Matt Corral himself. The one key moment was Ole Miss had kicked a field goal, so they were down 7-3. to three, And LSU kind of had them dead to rights at around uh, LSU's own 40. It was third and 16, I believe. And they just ran a draw play uh, to get the first down. And then they ended up scoring a touchdown there. So if we had stopped them, we still would have had the lead getting close to halftime and it had been much more competitive. And that was kind of the tale the rest of the time. Every single second that you thought LSU might have them stopped, they just run the ball uh, and convert easily. Uh, It was just kind of sad to see there. There really wasn't too much fight after that until the fourth quarter when they pulled Max Johnson and, and put Garrett Nussmeyer in. I was happy to see Nussmeyer. He actually played uh, decently well. He was much more aggressive throwing down the field than Max Johnson, whether that's uh, a personal choice or kind of the play calling, I, I'm not sure, but he ended up going 103 yards on 12 attempts with one touchdown. He was really kind of chunking it. And you could see some of the freshman decision-making when he was thrown into like double and triple coverage. He was probably lucky not to have at least one interception but I would say that Nussmeyer looks better than Max Johnson, uh, which is sad to say. Max was pretty ineffective overall, uh, as was our, our run game. The offensive line in the run game kind of looks like traditional LSU. Uh, Ty Davis-Price had a big come down from last week, finishing with only 53 yards on 17 carries uh, with a long of eight. So a far cry from just the, the explosiveness that he had against Florida. And then Corey Connor had a few nice runs coming in to fill in, but it was nothing that could really spark it. And the offensive line play also was just really poor. Uh, Max was on the run pretty much all of the, the game. They didn't ring a whole lot of sacks on him, but uh, constantly kind of under duress and the receivers were having a tough time getting separation down the field, which made his job kind of doubly uh, difficult. And then kind of added on top of that, Max fumbling three times, uh, two of them lost due to sacks coming off the edge. 
it's hard to kind of put the blame on him there. I'm more kind of the, the tackles and the offensive line protection. And so that's kind of the difference that it makes. I mean, you lose two turnovers uh, and can't convert on key third and fourth downs. And, and that's the game, which is kind of how it went for LSU. So looking ahead, uh, LSU is now four and four going into the bye week with Alabama looming uh, in Tuscaloosa next week. And so that's going to be a tall order. Um, we only have four games left, including Alabama, almost a sure loss. A ULM, I would hope that's a sure win. And then the last two kind of competitive games between Arkansas and A&M. So I think if we escape this season, six and six, uh, beating ULM in the one of the two against uh, Arkansas and A&M, that's about as good as you can hope for. And it's looking like whatever kind of momentum we had after last week was was not going to bear any fruit and Cocho may go out with more of a, a whimper than a bang, uh, which is kind of sad to see after uh, his time at LSU, obviously winning a national championship and all the illustrious awards in the 2019 season to kind of see through two straight seasons of mediocrity, uh, no bowl game last year, finishing it uh, six and six. And that's looking like a fairly likely outcome once again, but I guess that's how it goes. I mean, LSU fans don't really, tolerate mediocrity uh at least for the most part we saw a few of that uh, seasons with less miles like seven and five kind of in the the late 2000s before um or late 20 or early 2010s excuse me before he ended up getting let go and now we kind of see the same thing with coach O. so all the eyes are pretty much turning on to the future as far as kind of the the meta aspects of this game Ole Miss was put on the show with their Manning day, retiring Eli Manning's number. Uh, they had the, the Manning paint in both end zones, as well as Arch Manning, the number one quarterback in the country uh, for a junior class in high school in attendance to see LSU get pummeled by the Rebels. So that was kind of a, a perfect storm of, of sadness. And Lane Kiffin was doing everything he could to, to bring Arch to Ole Miss. In addition, if he, Lane Kiffin is one of the top uh, candidates for the LSU coaching job. He put on a pretty good audition. He kept us cool. They out game planned us and outworked us in pretty much every aspect of the ball. So he's, I would say, moving towards the top of the list for, for candidates. Um, I mean, people on the message boards online are throwing out all sorts of names, people you wouldn't even expect. Uh, Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach was being talked about. I can't see that at all. It seems kind of preposterous. But Lane Kiffin, yeah, for sure. And then some of the other kind of key candidates that uh, are being discussed right now include uh, Mel Tucker, the head coach at Michigan State, who's having a good season. Um, James Franklin from Penn State, they were doing good and they're kind of on the, the way down right now. A lot of people want Luke Fickle, who's the head coach at Cincinnati. Uh, for the past couple of years, they've been just about running the table. And then kind of some other names sprinkled in there. But We'll have to see. It could be somebody who we have no idea even who it is at this point. I mean, when LSU hired Jay Johnson for their head baseball coach, that was really out of left field, parting the, um, pardon the baseball pun. Uh, but yeah, he was not their first, second, or third choice, really, at least in public eye. And the same thing could happen for football here. So I guess kind of going out the rest of the season, Coach O just needs to try and guide LSU to some semblance of success and, and not drag us through the mud. Uh, he had a press conference with Scott Woodward last week after it was announced that he was going out. We didn't really discuss this on the podcast, but it, it was a, 
a tough sight to see Woodward and, and Kosho sitting there next to each other. Um, Kosho was, they were both looking kind of sad. O was describing like how much the program meant and also that it was his time to go due to the performance. It, it felt kind of weird because basically Woodward was dragging Kosho out there to put all his thoughts on the line, even though he was already uh, one foot out the door in some respect. And then a little bit of details came out after that saying that O is going to get his whole $17 million buyout, um, which I'm sure he's happy about maybe to the chagrin of some of the LSU boosters who are going to have to pony up that money just to, to get him to leave. And so we're, we're paying a big check to O uh, just to get him gone. And then I'm sure that knowing Scott Woolward's record of hires, he's going to be dropping top dollar on someone to come in and, and fill the position. But that's pretty much about it for LSU as far as the game. Really sad. Um, we're just hoping for more, and especially with the momentum. But we're going into the bye week. We need to recover and regroup and hopefully at least put some semblance of, of good play on the field against Alabama. Although I have a pretty big fear that that one's not going to go well at all. So, I mean, we'll have more coverage next week as the bye week develops. But uh, this one is all but wrapped up. And before I, I go, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other things that happened in college football. We saw a few undefeated teams drop, uh, reducing the number there. Coastal Carolina um, lost their undefeated season to App State on the, the Wednesday night matchup. So that broke Coastal's like 20-game win streak or something like that. And then later on, uh, on Saturday, we had two pretty wild games. Iowa State knocking off undefeated Oklahoma State. And then the, the big one that everyone was talking about, was uh, Penn State against I or Illinois, excuse me, in nine overtimes, beating LSU's record of seven overtimes set in 2018. But yeah, Illinois won in nine overtimes, and anybody who had bet on that game would have sworn on their grave that it, the total would have gone over, but the final score was 20 to 18. Uh, they, from the third through the seventh overtime, I believe, neither team scored a single point. They were testing out the, the new rules where starting in the third overtime, they just trade two-point conversions, and they don't do the traditional start on the 25 and, and see how you go. So it's pretty exciting. I mean, you got one play to, to do it, and, and that's it. Uh, the stakes are high, but the, the Big Ten defenses were, were standing strong, and Illinois ultimately clutched it up and kind of doomed Penn State's playoff hopes. And, yeah, other than that um, – Let's see, Clemson lost, again, three losses for Clemson after making the playoffs for six straight years. Uh, it's tough to see. Their offense is just anemic. Um, Purdue as well, we were hyping them up last week after their big win against Iowa. They had a letdown against Wisconsin at home, uh, losing by 17. So they're kind of in the same boat as LSU. Uh, looking forward to, to next week, the, the biggest matchup, which college game day will probably be there as a Michigan versus Michigan State. Both teams still undefeated, um, top 10 matchup. That'll be big. And then because LSU fans will, will need something to watch since uh, we're, we're not playing. Uh, number two, Cincinnati stayed undefeated. They held off uh, a kind of bad Navy team, but they're playing against a Louisiana team, the Tulane Green Wave next week. So I'm not sure whether my Tulane team can upset uh, Cincinnati's perfect season, but they'll they're sure, surely give it a try. And then other than that, uh, Ole Miss plays Auburn. That's a nice little solid SEC matchup for us. 
And then later on in the day, Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, Penn State always seems to give Ohio State trouble, even when they're they're not at their best. So Ohio State can't afford any more losses, even though they've been looking very good in order to stay in the playoff hopes. So they'll definitely be checking in and hoping to continue to dominate and build up their resume. Um, one last thing was that uh, LSU basketball had their first scrimmage. Well, it was kind of a charity exhibition for supporting Hurricane Ida um, victims against Nichols State and Thibodeau just a couple of days ago. LSU coming out on top by, I think, about 18 in that one. Uh, but it's good to see those two schools kind of teaming up for a good cause uh, as the, the LSU Tigers get back on the court. They did have some bad news is uh, they're one of their projected guards, uh, Adam Miller, who was a transfer from Illinois, a really good player, has already torn his ACL and he's out for the season. So uh, it could be tough sledding for LSU basketball as well, which was something that we were been looking forward to after this tough football season. But either way, we'll get there eventually. Um, football season, at least for LSU, is two-thirds over. Seems like it's gone quickly. Hopefully that uh, we can find some positive notes at the end here to build on for next year, whether that's Max Johnson really stepping into his own or we've identified true kind of number one wide receiver out of all the freshmen that have been playing well, Jack Besh uh, and Malik neighbors, especially Brian Thomas showing some flashes as well. And then just building on that for next year. But uh, this one, it's hard to have a lot of good things to say uh, at least at this point, but we still have some time to go and uh, we'll be covering that on talking Tigs. So uh, apologies again for this weird format, but I hope you enjoyed the show and tune in next time for Talking Tigs. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I pretty much can agree with uh, everything that you were saying. You know, you're just kind of saying some of the things that I was thinking. And uh, I think it's true that, you know, you can see flashes of some good play here and there uh, individually and as a team. But I think overall, uh, as a team, it's just going to look different week to week. Uh, that's just what it's going to be. I mean, um, you know, we look really good against Florida, but, you know, it kind of, they they could have easily taken that game. Kind of like Mississippi State. It's like we look good to start, got out to a good lead, and then we almost let them come back and take it. Uh, Florida was more of a, like a, a shootout. Luckily, we held on. Uh, looked like a good win. Kind of gives you hope from uh, going forward, thinking, all right, well, maybe we can do the same against Mississippi State. And then they come out and had that first great drive or that first touchdown drive. And you know, thought, okay, maybe we can compete. And, uh, you know, then, then after that, it just kind of went downhill until, like you guys said, the, <laughs> the fourth quarter, basically. Although, you know, without all the fumbles and the missed field goals or the, you know, the turnover on down inside the five, uh, you know, it would have been a closer game. And I think all that stuff is what can go back to Coach O. I know Coach O didn't fumble the ball. Uh, he didn't get sacked by Ole Miss's defense. But uh, the fact that it kept happening, that's on them, or at least on you know uh, Jake Peets and, and all the coaching staff for that. Uh, I don't know. I think um, overall the offense is just not able to execute consistently, and that's what's killing us. It's like we'll look really good one week, and we'll have a, a record-setting rushing performance by Ty Davis-Price, and then you cut to the next week against Ole Miss, who was as bad, if not worse, than Florida against the run, and we just we couldn't get the same sort of production. I know uh, Cam Wire was out, and I think that's one thing that's you know plagued these guys. That's why they can't be consistent as injuries. Uh, 
uh, you know, that is not on Coach O, but I think how you prepare to replace those guys week to week, that can be. I don't know. It's just a um, – I think it's just everything's aligned against Coach Joe this year, and, and that's fine, but, you know, it's it's going to be changed at the end of the year. I just thought that we would look somewhat better going out, you know. Um, I, I thought that, if anything, maybe we would uh, – kind of like last year, might look bad, but then at some point they would get it together and finish out the season undefeated. Obviously not with Alabama coming. But maybe after that, you know, if we won three games to finish the season, I think that would be overachieving at this point, considering all the losses on both sides of the ball. Now, I will say this, the defense, you know, for for all the effort that they've given and kept the game close, at least for the first half, uh, you know, because some of it's not on them. You know, if 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 the offense doesn't give up the ball and defense is thrown immediately back into the field, you know, maybe they can last a little bit longer. Uh, I just think it's it's uh, it's just putting them in a bad position, like in you know the the end of the Les Miles era where the the defense was kind of shouldering a you know a bulk of the time on the field trying to keep the team in the game, but the offense has to do their part as well. Uh, but it's just you know there's different guys out there every week, and they're just you know we're throwing these freshmen who we were hoping to like gradually work in to get some playing time, hopefully in garbage time for us with the lead. Uh, but it's they're just being thrown into the fire, trial by fire kind of thing. Uh, but overall, I think one thing I noticed, and this isn't on the individual players, this is this goes back onto the coaches. Is there's just there's no physicality. You know, I don't I don't, I don't know how they they can teach that in midseason, but it's also tackling. And it's like Daniel said, like some of their some of the times where the defense had them in a good position, it was third and long. It's like that one. One of the last touchdowns Ole Miss got, it was third and 12. And the guy reeled off a 36-yard run. And if you watch it, it's like there was three missed tackles, and then there was nobody after that. Like those missed tackles, that's – I don't understand why how, how the tackling seems to be getting worse as the season goes on. That is the one thing on defense. It's like if you're not going to teach scheme, if you're not going to teach these guys how to play a different position, I don't understand how the tackling can be getting worse. If one thing, if you're playing defense, that's the one thing you know how to have to do. You know, if you're not going to play position, you got to be able to tackle. So I just don't understand that. That goes back on to Dronte Jones and everybody else. I would even say Corey Raven because some of the some of the defensive backs don't even look like they know how to tackle. So I think something's wrong just as a program. We all know that, but it's just getting more and more evident. There's no improvement. You know, it's like even with backups that haven't been playing. Sage Ryan looks great, you know, but it's like it, it's not consistent. Uh, you can see a definite drop-off in other positions. But, you know, uh, I think we have to lower expectations severely. And I, I think that's the one thing, you know, Tommy, you and, well, you and Daniel both said it. It's like, you know, as the fans, you know, we expect to see certain, you know, th- there's high expectations at LSU. Coach O knows that. But I, I think there's a difference between, you know, having a, a fan base that expects you to win something every year. Uh, I mean, LSU has been used to that. You know, there's only Bama has had more national titles since 2000. You know, LSU's had three. So, yeah, you could say, oh, are, are we over-expecting based of, on what our, our program really is? Uh, maybe, but I don't think LSU fans would be as mad if, 
if we were losing, but you know, like just on one play here or there, like if we were losing in another seven or nine overtime game, but it was like good football. What problem is, is we're not seeing good football. We're seeing like starting with the UCLA game. We're just, we just look outmatched. And with the talent that we have, we shouldn't be, you know, if, if, if UCLA came down to one final play, so be it, you know, but at least, you know, we, we played a good game and we were, they coached a good game. I just don't think we're seeing any of that anymore. I would hate to think that the players are given up, you know, they, at the very least they should play their hearts out for themselves. It seems like Damone Clark is, you know, they've, they've already, he's already got a highlight reel. He was just named defensive player of the week again. So there's that. But uh, again, it's, it's just got to be more consistent. If other players were doing that with him, I don't think it would look as bad. Maybe Ole Miss wins 31 to 27. If, if LSU is playing with, uh, you know, just with some dignity. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was Manning Day, and it was basically just a whole recruiting pitch for Arch Manning is what it seemed to me. Um, they knew he was going to be there. They were going to retire Eli at some point. And just to put Manning in the end zone, <laughs> I mean, come on, what, what else would that really be? Uh, I mean, you could say it's Lane Kiffin's audition for LSU, but I don't know. I think his body of work before that would already sum it up. I mean, he, didn't really, he wasn't going to do anything different to try and impress uh, the LSU brass. Uh, for this one game. I mean, he's, he's only got one loss. Uh, he's still, you know, competing for something at the end of the year. Um, and the way this season's going, if Ole Miss wins out, I mean, they've already lost to Alabama, and it was bad. But if Ole Miss wins out, I, I don't know. With, with the way the season's going, if everyone else before them loses as well, who knows? You know, they could be playing a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I dare I say the playoff. I don't think so, but you just never know. Right, you just with this season the way it's going, you just you never know. Um, and as far as the coaching search, yeah, I know Mike Tomlin's name was out there. That's a long shot, if if anything. But I mean, he was mentioned with USC. So was Jeff Fisher, who actually used to coach at USC and was with the Titans forever. Um, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you guys. I think the coach. It's maybe the name has been mentioned already, but it's maybe not someone who's been focused on. I know Mel Tucker's kind of risen to the top. He's probably the, the, the sure odds bet at this point. I, that just kind of worries me, though, because I, I talked to a guy uh, this, this week who actually went to – who was at Colorado. He went to school there. He was there when Mel Tucker was the coach and everything was looking good, and he was saying all the right things. He's like, oh, I'm not leaving. I want to build what we have here and you know, build whatever their slogan is there you know, for their program, you know, here it's one team, one heartbeat for Colorado it was something different. But then after the same day where he met with all these boosters and assured them he wants to build, build their success. He hopped on a flight to East Lansing, interviewed, took the job, never went back to Colorado. That type of behavior would worry me because, you know, he's just, He's just playing leapfrog, basically, hopping from lily pad to lily pad, which everyone looks better to him at the moment. So I hope Mel Tucker isn't the guy that Scott Willard already has his heart set on. I hope there's some more search to be done. We have time. We have a few more weeks. Let's just let it play out and go from there because I, I, I don't know. Um, anything can happen in a few weeks. Something can happen. I mean, God, if, if, uh, if things got worse at Clemson, you know, the fans could – you know, it's, I don't know if they're as spoiled as Alabama fans can be as far as what their winning is, but I don't know. You know, it's like a, a coach, if he's not feeling appreciated, he'd, he could want to jump ship. And he's like, you know what, I can go somewhere else and start over. I don't have to 
deal with uh, you know an unappreciative fan base. But you know, all that is just speculation, of course, and we will see. And um, uh, Danger, you mentioned the the charity basketball game, uh, quote unquote charity basketball game, the scrimmage. Uh, it was good to see LSU, you know, uh, play well. I know they lost Adam Miller for the year, but um, you know, it's just good to to have something else start to come up, something that's going to be positive, hopefully, because um, I feel like Will Wade's always going to have his team prepared, you know, and um, just for the rest of this season with LSU football, I, I just do not feel that Coach O is going to do that. I still feel like they have a chance to play spoiler once or twice with uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M, but uh, I, I don't know. It's it just, it's week to week. I have a feeling, you know, with the bye week, even with all the injuries, LSU will probably put up a, a really good first quarter, at least on one side of the ball. But, you know, because Alabama definitely has some weaknesses or vulnerabilities, I should say. But it's it's not going to be enough to really change the, the outcome of the game. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much all I had. Um, I guess we'll regroup and circle back around next week and see, uh, you know, what happens in the bye week uh, in the rest of college football if, if anything's going on different with the team. I mean, hopefully there is. Hopefully the, you know, it's good to see Garrett Neusmeyer. I don't know if they're going to use him more going forward. You know, if he's actually going to take over a starting role, if they're going to try and use a, you know, uh, basically a, a two quarterback system, just see, you know, who play week to week, whoever has the better practice, that's the guy that starts. I don't know if they'll do that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward. But however it shakes out, uh, we'll, we'll cover it for you here. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely dish that for you folks here on Talking Tigs. So until then, hope you all have a good bye week. Enjoy it. I'm sure there's some weddings to be going around since it is bye week. Enjoy that too. And, uh, you know, maybe you can catch the Saints on Sunday. Uh, but for now, that'll do it for us. Uh, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.